Thank y'all. I'm so glad he sails with me. He's the master of the sea. I remember a few years ago, one of the girls, I guess it was Kaylee, when she was small, was wanting a rabbit. She wanted a pet rabbit. and We've had rabbits off and on uh, as long as I've had daughters. We have more rabbits now, and daughters like rabbits, you know, but she wanted a rabbit. And so we went up here to Buckhannon. Somebody up Buckhannon had some rabbits for sale, so we went to Buckhannon to get some rabbits. And uh, I got out of the vehicle and went walking towards the barn. I seen a guy in the barn, and I thought, well, he must be be out there where the rabbits are. I'm going to walk out there towards him. I started towards the barn, and he started towards me. And about halfway to each other, out from around a shed, came two pit bulls. And they had all intention of eating me for dinner, as far as I could tell. I mean, they were not happy that I was walking towards the barn, and he was, he was probably here to the door from me, and the dogs come out right here in front of me, and I mean, they were slobbering, growling, barking, and running full bore at me. There was no way I could escape. I knew that I was done. This is it. No rabbit, no John. I mean, we're over with right here. And he just calmly walking said, Hoy! and them dogs stopped and sat out. I'm like, whew, I'm glad you were here. <laughs> you know what? That kind of goes along with the song the quartet just sang. I'm so glad he sails with me. We're out on life's sea. We're getting tossed. We're getting thrown. We think there's no way that we're ever going to make it through this. There is trouble on every hand. There is no way we're going to survive. And the master steps up on the bow of the ship and says, Peace. Be still. I'm so glad he sells with me. He is in control of whatever situation we find ourselves in. And boy, I tell you what, I thank the Lord for it. It goes right along with what we're going to be speaking on this morning. We're going to be speaking this morning on the thought in time of trouble, in time of trouble. And when I picked this, uh, this slide and, and put this slide together, I had forgotten that y'all were singing uh, that song. But then whenever you began to sing, I thought, man, this is going together hand in hand. And I tell you what, I just thank the Lord when he puts things together. But go and look this morning on the thought in time of trouble. If we take a moment to look around, we can clearly see that there is trouble all around. The anniversary of 9-11 reminds us of trouble we faced that day and makes us keenly aware not only of the trouble we faced that day, but also makes us keenly aware of how much our nation has deteriorated over the last 20 years. Uh, we we turn on the news and we are flooded uh, with reports uh, of trouble. The news just is full of trouble. We hear about the trouble in Afghanistan and the things that are going on there. Uh, we hear about the trouble with coronavirus and it seems that it's starting to make a comeback. Uh, we hear of trouble uh, uh, with the political unrest and the things that are going on in the White House. Uh, we hear of trouble with statements that politicians make uh, and things that are being said and we, we feel trouble. We feel trouble because of uh, mandates that are being made. We feel trouble because of laws uh, that are being overruled. We feel trouble uh, because of division uh, all the way from the highest rank uh, to the very lowest rank. We feel trouble because of division uh, amongst ourselves uh, over differences of opinion. We, feel tr we uh, sense trouble uh, because of the racial tension uh, that exists in our country. We feel trouble uh, 
uh, because of the attack on the God-given gender that God has given to men and women and yet our country seems to have launched an attack on God's given gender of men and women. We hear trouble of the school and the policies that are being put in places in the schools and we could go on and on and on and on. There is no doubt that there is plenty of trouble. There is trouble on every hand. Brother Danny taught this morning an excellent Sunday school lesson on complaining and he said I understand why we complain because there's so much trouble. There is trouble on things that we see that we cannot control. There is trouble within our own lives in very immediate and close things. There is trouble in the White House and we feel there's nothing we can do about it. There is trouble with our automobile and we feel like we can't get it fixed. There is trouble on every level and so we say what are we supposed to do in with the trouble and if the trouble around us wasn't enough we can look within ourselves if we eliminated all the outside trouble and all the trouble we have uh, with other individuals and we look within ourselves there is trouble on the inside we have trouble of unrest within ourselves. We have trouble of indecision within ourselves. We have trouble of not knowing exactly where we stand or how we feel or what decision we ought to make within ourselves. We have trouble in our spiritual life within ourselves. Sometimes we are close to God. Sometimes we are drifted away from God. And sometimes we're not sure what the root of the problem is. Is, uh, there is trouble uh, on the inside. Uh, we can go and look at our health trouble. We can look at financial trouble. Uh, we can look at trouble in the marriage. We can look at trouble with the children. Uh, we can look at trouble in our career. We have trouble uh, with our, our uh, friends. Uh, we have fr trouble on our job. Uh, there is trouble everywhere. If we take time to listen to those that are talking, many times in conversation, we tend only to hear ourselves, But if you take time to listen to those that are talking, you will find that everyone is facing trouble. Whatever trouble you have, you are not alone in this realm of trouble. My trouble may not be exactly the same as your trouble, but all of us are facing trouble. And if we listen to one another, we will find out that we are all burdened to some degree or other with trouble. The songwriter said, trouble sometimes are here. Filling men's hearts with fear, freedom, we all hold dear. Now is at stake. There is trouble on every hand. The Apostle Paul said in First, Second Corinthians 4 and verse number 8, he said, we are troubled on every side. There is trouble. We live in a time of trouble. Job said, man that is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. This is the world that we live in. This is the life that we live in. We live in a sin-cursed world. And because we live in a sin-cursed world, we live in a defiled flesh, we are going to live a life of trouble. Trouble something we all face. We face troubling times, troubling situations, and troubling circumstances. 
But although we live in a world of trouble, although it sounds like it thus far, I'm not here this morning to discourage you talking about trouble. I'm here this morning to tell you that although we live in a world of trouble, we can live a life of victory despite all the trouble. In 2 Corinthians 4.8, the Apostle Paul does say we are troubled on every side. But the Apostle Paul doesn't stop there. He said we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. There is trouble. There is problems. There are difficulties. It seems anywhere I look, anywhere I turn, there is no deliverance. There is no freedom. There is no escape. We are troubled on every side. But the Apostle Paul said, yet I am not distressed. Uh, you say, well, how in the world can it be possible uh, that you can live in a world where there is trouble uh, on every side? It doesn't matter which way you look. It doesn't matter where you turn. You're always facing trouble. How in the world could you live in a world like that and say that you are not distressed? Because the Apostle Paul said, we are troubled on every side. He said, I can turn all the way around and there's trouble all the way around me. He said, but I'm not distressed because I'm not looking at the world around me. He said, but I'm looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, despised the, denied the cross. He said, I'm looking unto Jesus. He said, there's trouble on every side, but I'm not looking around, I'm looking up. This morning I'm here to tell you that although we live in a world that's filled with trouble, we can live in victory. There is hope. In the Lord Jesus Christ. In Psalm 56, in verse number 3, we're going to look at this verse in just a moment. David was in trouble. When David penned this psalm, David was in trouble. You see, David had been anointed to be king of Israel, but Saul was still on the throne. And Saul had decided that the best thing he could do to preserve the throne was to take David's life. And Saul set out to take David's life. And Saul was in pursuit of David. And Saul was looking to kill David. And Saul had an army. He had men that was capable. And David, although he had a few men who were faithful followers... David was far outnumbered. David did not have the means to combat Saul. And Saul was pursuing David with full intent of killing David. David having nowhere to turn in his own country and in his homeland, he had nowhere to turn. There was no place of safety. There was no place he could hide. The folks out of fear of Saul or out of loyalty to Saul would tell if David was hiding, if David took a place to hide there in his homeland, they would tell Saul, David's hiding here or David's hiding there. There was no place that David could go that was safe for David. So in a desperate effort to preserve his life from the anger of Saul, David fled into the land of the Philistines, into the land of Gath. Now sometimes I wonder where David's mind was that he would go to Gath in an effort to save his life. But you know sometimes when we get in desperate situations, we do desperate things. David goes into the land of the Philistines, to the land of Gath, hiding from Saul who is seeking to take his life. 
When David comes into the land of Gath, he is there and he feels that he is safe from Saul, but it doesn't take long before somebody recognizes David. And they say, this is the man that killed our champion. This is the man that killed Goliath some years ago. You remember when it happened, he killed Goliath. This is the one who did it. Word was brought to the king that the man that killed Goliath was in Gath. The king sent forth his soldiers. He said, arrest him and bring him in. They arrested David and and they brought him in before the king. Now here is David. He's not welcome in his homeland. His countrymen have turned their back on him and will give up, give him up to the king. The king is seeking to kill him. He flees for his life and is arrested by someone who hates him just as much as the people in his homeland does. David has found himself in a very bad situation. David's found himself in a very difficult place. David could definitely say that he is in a time of trouble. And it was in this place, at this time, that David wrote Psalm 56. And we see here in Psalm 56, and in verse number 3, David said, What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. David said, What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. David had good reason to be afraid. There was definitely trouble on every hand. David had very little chance of survival. There was nobody coming to deliver him, nobody coming to rescue him. If he escaped the Philistines and fled back into his homeland, they would kill him. David was done. He said, I have nothing left to do but to put my trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. This morning, I want to look a little bit at this thought in time of trouble. How could David, at this point in his life, so confidently look to the Lord? I want to launch from this verse, and I'm going to give you four very, very simple things that I believe will help us as Christians to live a victorious life in time of trouble. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you, Lord, for the privilege and the opportunity that we have to be in your house. We thank you, dear Lord, that you count us worthy. And Lord, that you use us to proclaim your word. I pray, dear Lord, that you will take the message today. I pray, dear Lord, that it will be heard. I pray it will be received. I pray, dear Lord, that it will be an encouragement. I pray it will be a challenge. And Father, Lord, that we will go away from this place, oh Lord, refocused on how we can live victorious despite the trouble that is on every hand. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Bless us now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Four things, four things that I believe if we remember these four things, uh, it will enable us to say as David did, what time I'm afraid I will trust in thee. It will enable us to say as Paul did, there is trouble on every side, yet I'm not distressed. Four simple things that I believe if we ingrain them in our heart and our mind, it will help us to live victoriously in spite of all the trouble. The first thing that I think we need to remember in order to live victorious is this and that is that Jesus is the answer. If we are going to live victorious, we must remember that Jesus is is the answer. I'm telling you what, we look everywhere for answers. Uh, we think that if we could have better politicians, uh, everything would be taken care of. Uh, if we could have better medicine, uh, everything would be taken 
care of. If we had better finances, everything would be taken care of. Whatever the trouble is that we're facing, we always look to material things and say if we had this, or if we had this, or if we had this, everything would be taken care of. But I'm here to tell you this morning, it seems simple. It seems like it's just out of a textbook. It seems like it makes good preaching, but it's not real living. But let me tell you, honest to goodness, if you want to live victorious in a world full of trouble, you need to remember that Jesus is the answer. The Bible says in John 16, these things, this is Jesus speaking, He said, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Jesus said in this world, if you live in this world, you are going to face tribulation. You are going to face trouble. You are going to face hardships. He said, but let me tell you that in me you can find peace. You know, there's a a tendency in Christian music, and I I enjoy Christian music, enjoy a, a wide variety of Christian music, but there is a tendency in Christian music, especially some of the more modern songs that have been written, there is a tendency to focus on our brokenness. And I get where we're coming from because we all live in a troubled world. We all live in a world full of hardship. And so it's very easy to want to sing songs about how difficult our life is and how hard our life is and how sad we are. And everybody connects with it. And everybody's like, oh, I know, I'm sad and I'm broken too. But you know what? I have a problem with those songs. Because the Bible says, in me ye shall have peace. Jesus promises that if we put our faith in him, that we will have peace that passeth all understanding. What is so special about the peace that we get from the Lord Jesus Christ? It is that it is a different peace than you can get from the world. You see, the only way that the world can offer peace is by removing trouble. And if there is some way that we can remove trouble, then we find a moment of peace. It's why we enjoy vacation so much. We can take all our responsibilities and all our obligations and all the things that weigh on our mind and we can kind of put them on the shelf for a week and forget about them and it gives us a little bit of a feeling of peace. And I'm not saying that's wrong. It's good. It's why we enjoy it because we're able to find a little bit of freedom away from the stressful responsibilities and obligations. But that is the only way that the world can offer peace. The world is doing their best to find a way that we can all get along and we can tolerate everybody and we figure out the more we try to do it, the more we figure out that it doesn't work and nobody gets along. But it's the only way the world can offer peace. But Jesus said, I can give you peace that you do not understand. I can give you peace that you cannot explain. I can give you peace that you cannot write out a description of how it works because I give you peace in the midst of trouble. I give you peace in the midst of your grief. I give you peace in the midst of your heartache. I give you peace in the midst of your loss. I give peace that passeth all understanding. In this world you will have tribulation. Yes, you will. But let me promise you, if you put your faith in me, I will give you peace. How do we live victorious in a world full of trouble? We remember that Jesus is the answer. Too many times we look everywhere but Jesus. But Jesus 
is the answer. In John 14, 27, Jesus said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7, the Bible says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. How do I live victorious in a world of trouble? Remember that Jesus is the answer. It's simple, but it's true. Second thing we need to remember when feeling overwhelmed by all that's going on in this world around us, and again, this is just super simple, but it'll help you. Remember, when you become overwhelmed, remember, this world is not my home. This world is not my home. I'm not staying here forever. This is not a permanent residence. This world is not my home. The songwriter said, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. I, I enjoy camping and I actually uh, enjoy winter camping and the reason I enjoy winter camping is because I don't have to worry about snakes and spiders. They don't come snuggle in my sleeping bag with me. They stay out the way. You know, it's much nicer to sleep. And plus, you know, a, a campfire is an important part of camping and it's hard to enjoy a campfire in July. I'm telling you, it just don't work. You have to sit 20 feet from that thing but in the wintertime, boy, you can snuggle right up to it. Matter of fact, I've melted more than one pair of boots propping them up on the fire. I'm telling you, something about that winter camping. I enjoy that winter camping. But I only enjoy it three or four days. And then I'm ready to go home. And you know what? I believe one of the reasons that I can enjoy winter camping is because I know this is not my home. This is not my permanent dwelling place. This is not where I'm staying forever. There's some things that I can accomplish while I'm here, but this is not forever. I believe that if I had in my mindset that I had to live in that tent and drink water out of the creek and warm myself by the fire for the rest of my life, I would get quite depressed. But I know it's not forever. But you know what? Sometimes I think people forget that this world is not my home. We get a mindset that this world and what this world consists of and what goes on in this world is all that we have to look forward to. It's all that we have to anticipate and we run ourselves ragged trying to improve our situation here on this earth and we are constantly faced with trouble and problems and difficulties and we become overwhelmed by the trouble when I believe if we would remember that this is not my permanent home, we will be able to handle the trouble a whole lot better. What do I do? I remember that Jesus is the answer. I remember that this world is not my home. Peter said in 1 Peter 2 and verse number 11, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims. In other words, this isn't your place. You don't belong here. You are temporary. You are just passing through. In Matthew 6 verses 19 and 20, the Lord speaking, He said, lay not up for yourself treasures upon earth 
where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through and steal. This world is not my home. I'm a pilgrim. I'm a stranger. I don't even stock up here in this world because my focus is on eternity. In Hebrews chapter number 11, verse 13 down through verse number 16, we're going to come back to Hebrews 11 in just a little bit. But speaking of the heroes of the faith as we know them, the Bible says in verse number 13, these all died in faith not having received the promise, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they'd have been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country, that is, and heavenly. Wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. You, someone ought to be able to see you, and they ought to say to you, how is it that you can live so joyful in a world that is so full of trouble? And you could say to them, because I'm not planning on staying here, I am moving to a better country. My Father has prepared a better place for me. He has built a city for me. I am only here temporarily, and so I'm not concerned about what's going on around me. I am focused on eternity. You know what? Sometimes we get the problem that we mix earthly problems with Christianity way too much. We just get a little more personal. We mix politics with Christianity way too much. Now, I believe that as Christians, we ought to do our part. I believe that we have a lot of influence as Christians. I believe that we can sway who is put in office and I believe it is our responsibility to do so. But I also believe that the Bible tells me that this world is going to wax worse and worse. The Bible tells me that it doesn't matter how much we try to shine the light, that this world around us is going to reject the light. The Bible tells me that it doesn't matter how much we proclaim the gospel that less and less people are are going to follow the gospel. And so I know without a shadow of a doubt that it doesn't matter how much I try, this world is going to get worse and worse. But some folks get their Christianity and their politics intertwined so much that they get focused on temporal things and they forget that this is not my eternal home. I know that things are bad in Washington. I know that there are governors and presidents and leaders who are leading this country down the wrong path. I know there are school board officials that are making rulings that are ungodly and sinful and ought not to be done, but it doesn't worry me in regards to my own personal joy because I'm not staying here. This isn't where I live. I'm not from here. My focus is on eternity and we need to take our eyes off of the things of this world and get our eyes focused on the Lord Jesus Christ or else we'll find ourselves in a state of depression that we can't shake because we're acting as if this is my eternal home. We need to get focused on the Lord Jesus Christ and remember that this world is not my home. Now don't take me wrong. Don't take me wrong. A lot of times there's three messages. Always there's three messages. 
There's the message I intend to say. There's the message I do say. And there's the message you think I say. And they're never, any three of them are never the same. So just to clarify, I am not at all saying that we should quit trying to be an influence and stop and swerve the ungodliness in our land. The Bible says that we are a light. That is to shine brightly. The Bible says that we are the salt of the earth. And I believe that as long as we're here on this earth, we ought to be pouring our Christian influence into every faucet of this world. And we ought to be doing it to the best of our ability. But I ought not get depressed about what's going on around me. Because this world is not my home. Is that, is that clear? Everybody understand what I'm saying? I'm not telling you just quit, quit being an influence. No, you keep being an influence. But I'm saying don't let the problems of this world pull you down because this isn't where we're staying. We're not from here. They act the way they do because they are a sin-cursed generation who has rejected God. And the Bible clearly tells us when a people reject God, this is going to be the outcome. They are simply doing exactly what God said they would do. And it ought to, if anything, cause us to love our Savior even more because He was right again. How do I live victorious in a trouble-filled world? I remember that Jesus is the answer. I remember that this world is not my home. Revelation 21, verse 1 through 4 says, And I saw heaven, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. This world is not my home. I'm going somewhere far better than anything this world has to offer, which brings us right up to our next point, something we need to remember if we're going to live victorious in time of trouble, and that is this, eternity awaits. Eternity awaits. If this world is not my home, where am I going? I'm going to spend eternity with my Savior. John 14, verse 1 through 3 says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. What keeps me happy in a world of trouble, it is remembering that eternity awaits. You know, I see many people making all these social media posts. I, I get them sent to me regularly. Pastor, what do you think about this? The social media post will say something along the lines of the vaccine or something connected with the vaccine is the mark of the beast. They're just scared to death. That we're going to be tricked into taking the mark of the beast. And I'm like, no, it's not the mark of the beast. And we've taught on that at other times. We're not going to get into all that right now. But I'll just say quickly, no, it's not the mark of the beast. You cannot be tricked into taking the mark of the beast. It's something you do knowingly with full knowledge of what you're doing and that you're rejecting the Lord. And it happens after the rapture. There you go, a very small little lesson on that. But people will say... I'll answer them. I'll say, well, no, 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 this is not the mark of the beast. Don't worry about it. You're not going to get tricked into that. And they'll say, but don't you think things are lining up for the end of time? 
Yeah, I do. What are we going to do about it? What do you mean what are we going to do about it? Uh, we're going to get out of here. That's what we're going to do about it. Uh, I'm not, you know what? I'm sad that the world's falling apart and I would love to see as many people as possible come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. Uh, I'd like to see as many people as possible accept the Lord uh, so that they can be taken up in the rapture with me. But whenever I see the world doing exactly what the Bible says they're going to do before He returns, I don't want to stop it necessarily because it means I'm getting ready to check out of here. I'm getting ready to pull out. I'm getting ready to move out. Eternity awaits. I cannot wait until the day that I leave this world behind. Brother Jeremy and I was talking Thursday evening after the deacons meeting and we were talking about we just wish the Lord would come. We just wish He would come and take us out of here. We wish that we could go on to glory. And I, Here I one made the statement. I said everything that I love is going with me so let's just check on out out of here. Everything I love about life. I love the Lord Jesus Christ. I love my family. I love this church family. And y'all going with me. So let's just blow the trumpet and get out of here. Eternity awaits. What keeps us victorious in the world of trouble? The trouble tells me that eternity is nearer now than it was before. The trouble tells me that there is a real good chance that I'm going up when the trumpet blows. The trouble tells me that it it could be any day now. And it fills me. It thrills me to know that eternity awaits. If you focus on the trouble, you forget that eternity awaits. What do we do in a world of trouble? We remember that Jesus is the answer. We remember this world is not my home. We remember that eternity awaits. I've got all kinds of scripture here I was going to read to y'all about eternity, but I'm going to skip that and move on to the last one. How do we cash in on these promises? Because everything I've said so far, all of you already knew that. But it seems sometimes, and I'm just as guilty, it seems sometimes that we fail to live in those promises. We know Jesus is the answer, but we still look for material answers. We know this world is not our home, but we get caught up in the things of this world. We know eternity awaits, but we feel like eternity is an eternity away. So how do we live in these promises? And I believe that in order to cash in on these promises, we must remember that I'm living by faith. I'm living by faith. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Pastor John, how do you know this world is not your home? Because the Bible tells me so. Pastor John, how do you know that heaven awaits? Because the Bible tells me so. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. I am able to claim the promises of God by believing God. Hebrews 11 goes on and it begins to mention many, many people who lived their life by faith. We see that Abel, by faith, offered a better sacrifice. Enoch, by faith, was translated that he might see God. 
Noah, by faith, prepared an ark and saved his family. Abraham, by faith, sojourned in a land of promise. Sarah, by faith, bore a son when she was past age. All of these people, and Hebrews 11 goes on and on and on, all of these people were able to cash in on the promises of God because they believed what God said. When Abel offered up the better sacrifice, he was one of the first people that had done this practice. And God, as we've understood through our studies in Genesis on Wednesday night, God had uh, delivered to them an explanation of how the sacrifices was be done. And when Abel carried his sacrifice to the altar, he was trusting that what God had said was what was best. We know that Cain didn't listen to God. Cain used his own reasoning. Cain brought something that he felt looked better, was more appealing, that leaned more upon what he was able to give God. And Cain brought that before God, and God rejected it. Abel could have looked at his offering and looked at Cain's. Abel could have doubted whether or not his offering was truly better than Cain's, but he believed God and acted on what he could not see. Generations and generations later, they continue making sacrifices, and the priest would make the sacrifice, and the priest would believe what God had said. But the priest had a whole history of successful sacrifices to look back on. When Abel made his sacrifice, he didn't have a reference point. All he had to go on was this is what God said. He believed it, and he was rewarded for it. But we think of Noah preparing an ark. It had never rained. This had never taken place. He was commissioned to do an enormous task. But Noah believed what God said. He had no basis for it. He had no proof for it. He had no way to prove that it was going to work except that God said it was going to work. He acted on it and it worked. All of these men had nothing to go on except God said. That's all they had to go on. And they believed God. And because they believed God, they were marked as men of faith. A couple of my points here, this world is not my home and living by faith are song titles. I was preparing my message and preparing the presentation and things this week and and the kids said, man, you just really got a song on your heart this week. I mean, I was just singing everything. The songwriter that wrote the song, Living by Faith, he said, I care not today what tomorrow may bring, if shadow or sunshine or rain. The Lord, I know, ruleth over everything, and all of my worry is vain. And then he said, I'm living by faith. How do we cash in on the promises of God in a world of trouble? We trust that what Jesus said is the truth. The chorus says living by faith in Jesus above. Trusting, confiding in his great love. I'm safe from all harm in his sheltering arm. How do I know this? I'm living by faith. I know it is true because Jesus said it is so. This morning, we live in a world of trouble. As I was starting off in the introduction, each of you resonated with at least part of what I was talking about. 
Each of you thought of at least one or two situations in your life that matched what I was talking about. We live in a world that is full of trouble. As Brother Danny said this morning in Sunday school, when we let that trouble get to us, we start complaining. And when we start complaining, we lose sight of the grace of God. We become bitter and discontent and dissatisfied with the world God put us in. In this world of trouble, as Christians though, we don't have to live our life governed by the trouble that's going on around us. We can live victoriously in a world of trouble. You see, as, as American Christians, we, we really have a terrible handicap because life has always been so good that we don't understand and don't see that it's God being good to us. You see, you go to some of these third world countries where Christians are persecuted and Christians are being killed. They come to Christ to find the peace that passes all understanding. Because they know when they leave the service and go back home, they might get killed on their way home. But they can come to that church service and they can rejoice in a God that loves them despite the trouble. You see, many times though as American Christians, we, we never understand that all the joy and all the goodness and all the, all the good life that we enjoy is a benefit of God. We kind of credit ourselves with it. And then whenever, whenever trouble comes our way, we begin to ask God, why are you allowing trouble in my life? Well, it's not that God is allowing trouble in your life. You live in a sin-cursed world, and trouble is going to happen. God never said He would take all the trouble away. He said that I will give you peace in the midst of trouble. I will give you calm in the midst of the storm. I will give you joy in the midst of grief. God never said that you were going to live free of trouble. He said, but I can give you a peace that the world cannot understand when the trouble is going on. This morning, my question is, have you been overwhelmed by the trouble? Does it seem there's nowhere to turn? This morning, if the trouble is too much, turn your eyes upon Jesus. We'll have Miss Debbie come and play. We don't normally, we don't normally sing the invitation or haven't lately, but this morning I'm going to ask you to take your hymn books. Turn to hymn number 546. I love how the Lord works, as I said a little bit ago. It's like the Lord lined this up this morning. The quartet singing, Master of the Sea, and then I asked Miss Debbie, I said, can we play Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus for Invitation? She said, I just wrote it down on my note that that's what I was going to play today. Isn't it interesting how God just lines everything up? Take your hymn book, hymn 546. Let's all stand to our feet. We'll sing, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. The Lord spoke to your heart. You come. Also.
says we are not of those that have no hope. Let's let the world see that there is hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you all for being here this morning. Do remember tonight is Next Generation Junior and so the King's Kids will be singing for us. Aiden will be preaching for us. Be here. Be a part of the service this evening. Brother C, would you pray and dismiss us? Heavenly Father, what a glorious day we've had in your house today, Lord. We thank you for what we've heard in the Sunday school hour. We thank you for the worship hour, Lord. And Father, we just uh, look at our home in heaven, Lord, and just long for it. Father, we just thank you that you uh, provided a way through your Son, Jesus Christ, Lord, and that perfect sacrifice. Lord, we just thank you and praise you for it. Lord, now we ask that you... Uh, Give us travel mercies home. Bring us back here at the next point in time. In Jesus' precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.